Welcome to the weekly podcast from Spring of Life Church, located in the heart of downtown Portland. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. For more information, visit us at springoflifepdx.com. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to open with us in James chapter 1 as we continue our study of this amazing book. And if you don't have a Bible, it's okay. We were going to put the words on the screen, but it's always fun to be able to go home and like read the rest of the chapter and study because just that personal encounter with the Word of God is so good. You'll get so much more out of it than even this, believe it or not. Um, I love this video because it always reminds me that we live in a world that has no clue what Christianity is. And every time I see this video, I have a different reaction. I'm like, oh, you awesome person. I just want to tell you like what this stuff really is. Because if Christianity was just something from childhood or just a set of beliefs or a way to modify your behavior, then no wonder you find it irrelevant. But if Christianity is the story of how the author of life stepped out of heaven to encounter you, to understand your pain, to relate to your burdens, to meet you where you are and pay your price, remove your shame, and give you life, if that's what Christianity is, then maybe some people would find it a little more exciting. How do you define your Christianity? That's what we're studying over these next few weeks. How can we expect the world around us to understand what this is if we don't live it? And so today, that's what we're going to focus on. Um, this message is entitled, Lives of Action. So I love this one. I'd, I'd never... Um, you know, when you're preaching through a book of the Bible, what's really interesting is God knows when to clobber you with the message. And so God has been working this message out in my heart all week. And um, it's fun to preach messages that you're excited about. It's hard to preach messages that you're convicted by. And so this week, I'm living in conviction. And, um, and because of that, I have to make a serious confession to you guys right now. And I'm going to confess something, and some of you aren't going to like me afterwards. And that's the truth. And here's my confection. Um, I like reality TV shows. (laughs) Um, I know. I know. Some of you are looking for the door right now. I understand. Um, And I'll go a step further. I don't just like the dignified ones like The Voice. God bless Blake Shelton. Um, I like those ones that uh, you're, you know, you can make all these excuses. Like, I just came in the room and it was on TV. But... I will say this, I lived in Atlanta for a while, and, and I may have seen an episode or two of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Um, I'm not proud of that. We're, we're friends today. Um, but I've seen enough episodes to recognize a real housewife in a mall in Atlanta and get a selfie with that person. And, um, and I'm so glad that this is a story of redemption and Jesus forgives. Um, But this week, I was just trying to, like, disconnect mentally. It was a a big week, a lot on my mind. And sometimes it's just good to do something to get your mind off. And I was like, man, I I really, I don't have a show right now um, that I'm watching through. You know, some of you are super into Stranger Things, and my wife can't do anything with the scary soundtrack. So um, I was just, like, kind of flipping through the on-demand. And um, I see this show that, honestly, I've never seen before. Um, Some of you may have seen it. If so... I judge you too. <laughs> um, and um, I'm not, I don't even remember the name of it, but it's about the mom of the girl known as Honey Boo Boo. Maybe you guys have heard? She has her own show now. 
And um, so I'm just like, I flip on the show. Some of you are like, where is this going? Because we just had an awesome time of worship and you're quenching everything that's happened. I'm going somewhere. There is a point. I'm going somewhere. And so I flip on the show and I'm watching these people and they are like in the South, in Georgia, not far from where I grew up. And they have these like thick Southern accents. You know, they don't have very good table manners. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, there are individual characters that are reminding me of individual people in my family. Like I'm relating too hard to this show. And um, like, then suddenly something happens. Like I, I start watching and I'm feeling like pretty detached. And like, as I go, I'm like totally feeling engrossed in these people's lives. Like I'm drawn in. And 45 minutes in, I kid you not, I find myself praying for Mama June because she's got these eye problems. She's got this detached retina. And I'm like burdened for her. And I'm like, too far, Aaron, too far. Uh, when you find yourself praying for reality show TV characters. That's not bad. Pray for everybody, but too far. And I just really was reflecting on this. And I'm like, why are there so many reality TV shows? Like, why is that all over the place? Why um, is media saturation such a thing in our culture? And it really began to strike me that life is so much easier as a spectator sport. And as I was watching this TV show, I'm like, yeah, I'm like totally involved in these people's lives. Like I'm even praying for them, but I'm not really involved in their lives. And yet I'm giving myself this feeling that through what I spectate, through what I'm consuming, that I'm doing. And that's not true at all. That's not true at all. Life is so much easier as a spectator sport, and so is Christianity and maybe that's why when we ask people in Portland, what is Christianity, we get this watered-down answer because real Christianity was never, ever, ever, ever a spectator sport. And today we're going to see that. Um, there's one principle I'd really love for you to hear today, and that is this, that Christianity never goes deep until it comes alive. It's not just what you're learning, it's how you're living this is such an incredible passage of scripture that we're going to read today. Um, I, I teach preachers sometime, young guys who are wanting to learn how to teach the word of God. And I say, you need to treat every message like it's the most important message that you've ever preached. But I actually feel like this message might be one of the most important that I've ever preached because it's so important in my own life. Let me give you a little passage of background. And we're going to dive in. This book was written not just by this neutral person, by a real person by the name of James who lived 2,000 years ago. James had a very interesting family. He happened to have a brother you might have heard of. His name was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It was his half-brother, and he had to grow up with this individual. James, you know, saw the resurrection. He gave his life to this message. He was born again into the faith. The Bible says the Holy Spirit changed his life through this belief, not because of what he was born into, but how he was born again through belief. James is the brother of Jesus, and at this point in time, the Christian church is very small, very young, very vulnerable. Um, they might have been meeting on a third room of an interesting building in the city, chairs all jostled around. Um, but really what was happening is there was such a ferocious amount of persecution um, that people were afraid for their lives. This was a time that earlier in James it teaches us of dispersion, where people were fleeing from their homes and fleeing from their families. 
because uh, very much like what we saw was going on in Uganda a decade ago. That was exactly what was happening. People were being killed in the streets. Um, and James at this moment is a respected pastor. Like, he just has a lot of dignity and clout. This is not one of those pastors that people are arguing about his intentions. Like, he cares for people. He shows up in people's lives. Um, if your mom was in the hospital, he would go pray for her. That kind of guy. But also just walked in the dignity of faith. There was never a question of whether or not he was really living this. Um, what was also going on around in the community, there was a, another prominent figure by the name of Stephen who had recently been killed. The leader of the area, Herod Agrippa, was persecuting the believers. And I don't know if James knew or thought that he might be next, right? So prominent people are being killed. I don't know if James might have thought to himself, maybe I'm next, but he was next. James was the next prominent figure in this time to lose his life for the faith. James likely knew that his days were numbered. And I don't think that he wanted to die. I don't think he was a fatalist. I just think that he found something better than life to give himself to. Uh, my wife and I just got this filing cabinet, and I kind of put all our financial documents, and I, I do all of that for our family. I do the taxes, and I sort of know our, our health insurance and stuff. And, and as I was doing this filing cabinet, I just realized, okay, one day I'm going to pass away. You know, I probably should put a, like a file in here so my wife will know where everything is. You know, and I was thinking, if I make a file like that, I probably want to write like a letter. You know, like, what's the first thing that she's going to see? Like, here's our TurboTax records. No, like... I wanted to, to, to read a letter, you know, like a goodbye letter, you know, and you start to think about that. And as we look at the book of James, I can't help but think that this is somewhat of maybe a goodbye letter. Like if I were to leave the planet, what would I want people to know? These people that I've invested my life into, that I'm willing to give everything to, what do I want them to know about Christianity? And I want you to have that background as we read these words because I feel like this is such a heart cry for a man who gave everything to live what he's telling us today under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let's begin reading today in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. The Bible says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of a person does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a person who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For they look at themselves and then go away and at once forgetting what they were like. Leave that up for just a moment. I just want to pull out something cultural here. The mirrors at this point in time were not the same mirrors that we have, which are glass and very reflective. They were highly polished metal uh, of different kinds. And so uh, if you think about it, you could probably see your reflection in metal. It would just, you, it would be something you have to stare intently at to, to really see what you look like. It's such a weird concept in the day of selfies and mirrors everywhere that we're always aware of what we look like moment to moment. But in the ancient culture, I mean, I mean, to really be aware of what you look like was kind of a gift. It's something you had to look for. And so what this is saying is, like, if you keep hearing these truths about God, but you're not living them out, it's just as crazy as not even knowing what you look like. It's just as crazy as saying you have no idea of your identity if you're hearing and not doing. Let's pick up in verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty, and perseveres, 
being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, they will be blessed in their doing. If anyone thinks they are religious and do not bridle their tongue, but deceives their heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray and we'll study a few things together. Jesus, thanks for this time together. Thanks for your word. Thank you for those that you've called to go before us that have laid down everything so that this message might reach us. Thank you that you pursue us through the ages with a gospel of grace, with a law of liberty, that we through belief might be born again. Change lives today. Let us be doers of this word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. If you're taking some notes today, and I encourage you to, because cool people take notes, the first thing I want to point out to you is this. True Christians have a posture of action. True Christians have a posture of action. There's something that God taught me a while ago in relation to this message, that as a believer, you are never called to be successful. You are always called to be obedient. I'll say that one more time. As a believer, you are never called to be successful. The victory is God's, but you are always called to be obedient. And that is a foundational shift that happens in our lives as we understand a text like this. I meet with young people all the time and they say, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. But really, when I was that age saying that exact same thing, I was saying, I want to figure out how I can be successful and God will bless it. Jesus says, I've set you free from that. In me, the victory is mine. I bestow it upon you and I will bless you. I'm good. I have an amazing heart. I am for you. I know you better than you know yourself, but I'm not calling you to your idea of success. I'm not calling you to the world's idea of success. I'm not even calling you to your pastor's idea of success. I'm calling you to obedience. Depending on your posture with God today, if you're close to God or maybe it's complicated, this is either the best news or the worst news. If you're like in love with God, you're just gonna take a sigh of relief. Ah, I don't have to stress about how to figure this out. You know, planning a church in Portland, people tell me all the time, like, it must be hard. Like, how are you figuring it out? And I'm like, uh, we're not. Have you noticed? Like, we are kind of just trying to hear from God and do it every day. Like, there's things I thought I had figured out, and they weren't. Um, so that's the beauty and the grand relief. People are like, you seem confident. I'm like, there's a fine line between confidence and recklessness. And I think we're riding it every day. Um, but there's this beautiful ability to live in freedom when you are not called to be successful because success is stressful. Obedience is easy. Well, it's simple. The question today is not, do you feel like doing what God wants you to do? The question really is, do you trust God's heart? Do you trust God's heart? I saw someone come to Christ right across the street in Mother's Bistro some time ago, and I can remember that conversation well. And the person right before, they gave everything to Jesus. They said, I'm so afraid that if I say yes to God, he'll make me do all these things I don't want to do. And in that moment, I wasn't like, well, let's negotiate. All we said was, do you trust his heart? Do you trust his heart? I just want to read some scriptures over you that talk about the heart of God. Let's speak to his character today. Isaiah 43, 2. God. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. That's the heart of God. 
Let's look at Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's the heart of God. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is the heart of God. John 16, I've told you these things so that in me, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. Can somebody say amen? But take heart, because I have overcome the world. This is the heart of God. And he keeps his promise by the power of God. When you say yes to him, that's who you're saying yes to, not what you're saying yes to. Sometimes this looks like um, kind of this pressure in your heart to do something, you know? Um, Another sermon is to talk about what is a calling of God. There's so much to say there. But I will give you some scripture and an example. Sometimes it's a pressure to do something. So the scripture I want to show you is 2 Corinthians 5.14. It says, for Christ love compels us. And I love this because this was a scripture that God used to bring us to Portland. Portland was never on our map. And Jesus just started to speak the word Portland in my heart, started to speak the word Portland in my wife's heart, yada, yada, yada. Here we are. Uh, But what was happening here is what the Greek word for compel looks like. It means an overwhelming sense of pressure that is pushing you to action. And sometimes that's how God is going to ask you to say yes. He's going to get in your heart. And sometimes that's going to be to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Give your life to him. Be born again. Sometimes it is to follow in that next step of obedience. Tell the world what you've done through baptism. Sometimes it is to step into a ministry. Sometimes it's to step out of a ministry. Sometimes you will have a pressure from God, this overwhelming sense that's pushing you to action. Most times, though, God will present you with a need that calls you to do something. And you're not supposed to say yes to everyone, But oftentimes you are. Let me give you a clear example. My dad is a chiropractor. He cracks people up all the time. That's a dad joke. (laughs) Hashtag dad joke. Um, And my dad is great at his job, loves it, and that's what he does. Most of my dad's patients come to him um, for counseling, which he is not licensed to do, so don't tell. Um, He's great to have in your life. My dad's also been a small group leader at our church for about two decades. That's kind of his thing. He just, uh, he's a pretty great teacher, dad, if you're watching. You're a great teacher. Um, But he's just great at community. He just loves people. He loves people well. That class went through some tragedy over the span of about five years. In the time of about five years, um, three men in the class all passed away from about the same kind of cancer. It was one guy diagnosed. The class rallied around. He passed away. Six months later, another guy, same diagnosis. They walk through that together. He passes away. And a few months later, another man diagnosed. We live in a broken world. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. And let me tell you what this beautiful, like, say yes to Jesus, live out your faith looked like for my parents. Um, In that class, one of those men passed away without great life insurance. There's tons of bills. 
and the family was in a, a lot of financial trouble. And the class just rallied around them, and there weren't that many, and they weren't that rich, but they just set up an account, and they started giving to that account, and they started paying medical bills off. And they set up an account, and they started paying the mortgage on this house for this widowed mom so that she could get back on her feet and go to school and, and get a great degree and to get a new job. My dad was in the room for every single one of these men passing from this life to the next life, holding their hand and ministering to their family. Nobody ever called my dad out to be the ordained minister of the gospel, and yet he's defining Christianity. That's just what it looks like. When you receive the mission of Christ, you will also receive the strength of Christ. I don't think my dad ever went to school to know how to do that stuff. But he just showed up. And there were days I watched him when he didn't look strong enough. I watched him when, like, my strong dad, his voice would begin to quiver because of this pain that he's walking his friends through. And I watched my dad be filled with a strength that wasn't his own. Not only will sometimes you have this inward call that pushes you to do something, sometimes you will just see a need that you have the capacity to fill. And sometimes it's a call to stop doing something. Sometimes it's a call to stop doing something. There are times in your life when God wants you to make room. Certainly bad things, certainly sins. God invites you to confess your sins, to find freedom. And sometimes we need people in our lives to point things out to us. I need people in my life to point things out, areas where I've been sinful, areas where I have the opportunity to confess and to walk in repentance and sense the changing grace of God. So yes, that's why we exist for each other, to point some of these things out. Not like to stand in judgment, but if God is good and sin is brokenness, then we want sin out of our lives. Yes, we say no to sin. But sometimes God will even ask you to lay aside some good things in your life. Um, I have examples of that, but I want to keep moving. My mom used to always make this statement. I liked it a lot. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Now, that's nowhere in my Bible, but my mom says it, and I think it sounds pretty good. But I like to consider that in a message like this. Because if God is so good and the stakes are so real, what on earth are we waiting for? What yes is God asking from you today? From the passage, I'm going to read verses 22 through 25 again, just to make sure we're marinating in this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That's the only person you're deceiving if you're hearing and not doing. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And in the passage, there are four key areas that are addressed. These are not definitive in the canon of Scripture, but in this particular passage, four key areas addressed. To be slow to anger. So God is saying, be yes, say yes to being peaceful. Walking unhindered. The Bible talks about getting out the filthiness and wickedness out of your life, not to impress others but to make room for Jesus, to use words of life, to be gracious. Christians are accountable for their speech. And fourth, to be intentional towards the vulnerable, to be missional. These are non-negotiable things to say yes to from the word of God. There's a second thing that we see in this big idea. True Christians learn how to hear the voice of God. 
True Christians learn how to hear the voice of God. And this is glorious when you think about it. For years and years and years in human history, men and women and people have strived to know the divine. They've looked for him. They've sought him out. And because of Jesus, he can be found. Because of Jesus, God is Emmanuel, God with us. His spirit finds us, not only finds us, but indwells us. Who are we that he would find us like that? True Christians learn to hear the voice of God. And sometimes we make this way more complicated than it needs to be. Like, I've heard people say, I just don't know um, if, if I should stop this behavior because I, I haven't heard from God yet. And I'm like, well, have you checked your answering machine? <laughs> um, Hebrews chapter one. It's really cool. In, in chapter one, the Bible tells us that in the past, God used to speak through a select group of people called the prophets. They'd sort of go up on the mountain and they would hear the message and they would walk down and they would declare it to the people. I want you to see what Hebrews chapter one, verse one says. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets in various ways, but in these last days, encompassing us, he has spoken to us by his son. So how do we hear from God? We hear from Jesus. And how do we hear from Jesus? From his word, from his word. James, in specific, this passage we're reading, when it says, be a doer of the word. What word? It's talking about the scripture. The scripture. Be doers of the word. Um, if some of you don't know how to do this, like some of you, like the enemy has, you know, led you to believe that the Bible is like too confusing to understand or too boring to understand or too hard to relate to. Maybe some of you do what I did when I was kind of young and just trying this. Like you'd open up to a book and you're like, I'm gonna read this today, but your you know, finger lands in Leviticus and you're like, um, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> um, something about pigs. Um, I just wanna give you some pastoral advice. Like this is not what you have to do. But here's pastoral advice. If I'm discipling a person who's struggling to get into the Bible, I say take the Proverbs challenge. The Proverbs challenge is so great because if you take this challenge, you will always find something in that passage to say yes to. So here's what you do. Whatever day of the month it is, so today is the 25th, you go to Proverbs, which is sort of in the middle of the Bible, or Google it anywhere, um, right you know, there. You open to like Proverbs chapter 25, and you just begin reading it. And you're gonna find easy to digest, easy to understand words of eternal wisdom. If that's the only thing you get out of this message today, it'll change your life. If you will walk away and say, you know what, for 30 days, I'm gonna take the Proverbs challenge and I'm not just gonna read it, I'm gonna find something to do. I'm gonna find something to say yes to. It won't just change your life, it'll change the lives of those around you because that's how God works. Some of you are saying, I don't know if I just want to obey. Like, that is a, a problematic word for me. Like, maybe you had an overbearing person in your life from the past. Or maybe your sense of liberty and freedom and justice don't cohabitate with that word obey. And I would just challenge you to say, you are always obeying a voice. The question is, which one? Maybe it's an internal critic. Maybe it's someone who hurt you in the past. Maybe it's the pressure of the world. And maybe it's another spiritual influence. First John 4 tells us, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. You know, I walk in our city every day. I talk to people every day who listen to spiritual influences. And the Bible says these are not neutral. We do not have a religious city. We have a very spiritual city. And 1 John 4 says that can be very, very dangerous. Because there is one spirit, the spirit of God, that seeks your good. But every other spirit seeks to steal and to kill and destroy. We're always obeying a voice. Wise people choose the heart of God. There's a third principle I want you to see. True Christians live in surrendered response to the love of Jesus. That's simple. True Christians live in surrendered response to the love of Jesus. Sometimes messages like this can be problematic because, honestly, there's churches who have manipulated this teaching to get people to do what they want them to do. It's become an institutional message. And while I think we need to live in community with one another, like churches should have the opportunity to express needs. Churches should have the opportunity to mobilize people to ministry. I want you to really hear this today. The message is not saying yes to every Christian. The message is not saying yes to every church. But the message is always saying yes to Jesus. And as we built this message, we've seen that true Christians learn how to hear and cultivate what the voice of God sounds like. And here's the beauty. The more you say yes to him, the clearer his voice will be. Start with something small, and I guarantee you, his voice is going to make more sense as you grow. Test it. But the big idea is that true Christians live in surrendered response to the love of Jesus. I love this, because more than anything, you're called to love God. Jesus says it's the first commandment. It's the most important commandment. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we don't love God and our own love. The Bible teaches us that we love him because he first loved us. And real love is always demonstrated. And real love doesn't stand for brokenness. Real love fights the darkness. It overcomes death. Real love peels back destruction. And real love brings life. And God demonstrates his love And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Without the cross, we have nothing. Hear me, we have nothing. We have nothing. But because of the empty tomb, we can have everything. That's the stark contrast of this glorious gospel, of this marvelous faith. I'm gonna ask for our musicians to come forward. I'm praying that the spirit of God is working in your heart. I've got a friend named Daniel who's a quadriplegic in Georgia. He's a great friend of mine. And every Sunday, he texts me, how can I pray for your people? How can I pray for what God is doing in Portland? And today, I asked him to pray this message over you guys. I'm just praying that his prayers will be answered, that the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart. It's not something I want to shake my finger at you. No, put the fingers away. I need this too. God is working on me too. But I believe, if you're anything like me, like a human... (laughs) There's areas of your life where Jesus is asking you to say yes. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Do you need to be reminded to trust the heart of God? Do you need to remember to be reminded that if you are hearing but not doing, the only person you're deceiving is yourself? True Christianity says yes. To what? To Jesus. Every day.
We're going to do something really special here in a moment. We're going to have the opportunity to receive the elements together, to receive communion. I want to show you these because I only have one hand. <laughs> and then we'll walk through it together. Jesus, on the night before he gave his life for us, met with his people, his disciples, in an upper room. And he placed bread before them. He took the bread and he broke it. And he did this to symbolize that in moments, whoa, that his body would be broken for them so that they could find healing. He gave him the bread and told them to eat it in remembrance of him. And then he took the cup and he held it up and he says, I want you to drink this because just like this will be spilled onto your lips, my blood is about to be spilled for you. And for all those who have ever needed their sins covered, for all those who have ever rebelled against God, my blood will be enough every time. And so take this in remembrance of me. It's a beautiful thing we're about to do. As we talk about living in response to the love of Christ, communion reminds us that real love is always demonstrated. Real love always calls us to action. So don't just love God with your lips. Love him with your life. And as we receive this together, reflect and pray. Where is Jesus asking you to say yes? Communion is this beautiful thing for those who have committed their lives to Jesus. And so we'll pass this out in just a moment. And the way we do this, in case you're wondering, is take a piece of the bread and break it. And if you're anything like me, you like to pay attention to that sound to remember that he was broken for us. And then you dip it into the juice to remember that we are fully immersed into this life. And then after a moment of prayer and reflection, feel the freedom to receive these elements as our worship team sings this song over us and we close out this morning remembering Christ, remembering his love, remembering the cross, remembering this hope. Let me pray over us and then let's experience this time of worship together. Jesus, you're amazing. You're amazing. You're so good. I think back to that day when you gave everything for us. If we could just see the cross, we'd never wonder again whether or not the call was too heavy or the burden was too much. If we could just see the cross, we would know what you knew, that the suffering is but for a moment, but the glory is forever. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that your love did not sit dormant. Thank you that your love pursues and yours is a life of action. Call us to your life today. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. You can begin to pass out the elements and let's receive communion together. Let's worship our God. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast of Spring of Life Church, where our mission is to invite thirsty people to become disciples of Jesus. For more information or to plan a visit to our church in Portland, visit us at springoflifepdx.com.